0: Yeah, it's it's kind of funny. So, Keith, you had an article.
1: Alrighty. So, um, if we hadn't had all this like election, brouhaha, I think this would have actually, at least in religious circles, had bad a bigger story. Um, but this was uh, Pope Francis's like kind of half endorsement of um, same-sex civil unions back in October. So to set the stage here, um, I have an article from from American magazine about this. Um, but uh, in a new documentary that premiered in Rome yesterday, Pope Francis appeared to endorse civil civil unions for same-sex couples for the first time as Pope. As portrayed in the documentary, the, the Pope says, Homosexual people have the right to be in a family. They are children of God and have a right to a family. Nobody should be thrown out or made miserable over it. What we have to have is a civil union law. That way we are legally covered. I support that. And and so it goes on, and there was kind of, you know, a... a a somewhat half-hearted walking back from the Vatican about, you know, the officialness of this and, you know, comments about leaked videos being taken out of context, but there also is the history of Pope Francis actually endorsing civil unions as an alternative to same-sex marriage, you know, back in Argentina um, and as as um, later in the article it, it you know, kind of asks a question and tries to answer does this change uh, church teaching and doctrine? And obviously the, the Pope isn't, you know, it's not exactly an ex-Cathedra statement when the Pope is talking in an interview on a documentary, um, but, uh, um, where was the thing I wanted to read here? Oh, dang, I can't find it. Um, basically, I, I, it was talking about, you know, kind of the difference between, like, here's doctrine, like, you know, here, here, is, here is what the Catholic Church teaches on same-sex marriage, for instance, and, like, here is how we interact in a society with people who believe different things. Um, and kind of trying to, you know, draw this fine line between the two. And, um, you know, what kind of spoke to me is just thinking about, I think this cuts to lots of things, not just, not just same-sex marriage per se, but, um, when we talk about like an imperfect, pluralistic society, and we talk about trying to make sure people have certain fundamental rights, um, like marriage in the U.S. Like, isn't just like, oh, recognizing that these two people are married, It often confers, um, you know, health insurance, basically your access to health care in, in the way the system is set up. Uh, it confers, you know, has a huge implications on your finances uh, and all sorts of things. And, um, you know, what it, what it kind of sounds to me like is, is, you know, an erring on the side of permissiveness when there's a, a real serious risk of more, you know, very fundamental human rights being violated like is it so instead of this whole like kind of no quarter approach that's been pretty common in conservative Christian circles to where we're not going to um, you know we're going to protest anything that acknowledges you know some kind of humanity in, in homosexual persons like mm. it's saying hey we're going to you know we know if we're more permissive here yes people according to our beliefs will be sinning but it's better to be more permissive, and to allow people to have access to healthcare, access to certain privileges that, that spouses have, and, and you know, end of life issues. Um, you know, not to be penalized by their taxes, to be able to live with people, to have access, fair access to housing, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, that we can draw that line between the two. That we can we can have our beliefs about the moral quality of something, but still allow it because we need to protect these, you know, make sure these people aren't disadvantaged in really fundamental ways.
0: Hmm. Go ahead, Nate. I know you have some words on this. (laughs) Oh, no, no, no. (laughs) (laughs) Well, because I know, I know for a fact from, at least in Ohio, I, I know that Pope Francis took some heat for this. I know he did because I heard the trad side of uh, Catholicism speaking against him directly. I, they actually loudly, yes, yes, and we have some trads at at our parish, and um, and they did say certain things about this. Um, again, I am a staunch supporter of our Holy Father. Um, I love Pope Francis. I think he's done so much good for the church. I don't begin to say anything ill about him. Um, And I think he's done more to help progress the church than probably the last five popes, to be honest. And I love them all. They've, They've done great jobs in their own capacity. But Pope Francis, in my opinion, has done so much for our age um, it, it's hard to compare. I mean, he's taken uh, the poor, I mean, he himself, I think, is a beautiful example of taking care of the poor. You're talking about a man who doesn't even live inside of the, the Pope's quarters. He lives in a servant's quarters in the Vatican. Um, who walked to Vatican City instead of taking a limousine. Who sold his first class ticket and gave the rest to charity. And, um, who has removed more people from the church who are not doing it any good than any other pope before him. So yeah, I, I am actually a, a staunch supporter of the Holy Father. So I, I
2: so before <laughs> this uh Keith, what was the the church's stance you know on on uh, same-sex marriage? Cuz I, I I'm assuming that it was just don't do it. No. <laughs>
3: There's only one one kind of marriage.
1: Yeah. And and in particular when we talk about civil unions as in like recognizing a pairing of the people for the purposes of of, you know, civil government benefits. Yeah. Um, there is a statement from the a 2003 document from the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith, which is a big Catholic thing mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, stating that respect for homosexual persons cannot lead in any way to approval of homosexual behavior or lead to the legal rec- recognition of homosexual unions. So that does seem to at least semi-conflict with what Pope Francis is saying. Um, there is mm-hmm. some argument in here, I'm trying to find it, that that argues that, hey, maybe that, you know, Maybe there is some opening for a recognition of the legal benefit without um, condoning the moral component
0: of it. Yeah, I mean, but that yeah, also tricky. That that interview also goes back to his time in Argentina. It's actually not a recent event that we're talking about.
3: Yeah, he supported it back there. Yeah,
0: right. and, and mind you, he did that to keep the church out of it. You know, to let the state step in and regulate what they're going to regulate without the church having to step in to regulate themselves or being forced to do something that is against, you know, our own catechism.
1: Yeah. I I think, I mean, you're not going to see, so, you know, the, you know, kind of one of the big deals of the Catholic church is that when, you know, she teaches something authoritatively, you know, she's never supposed to go back onto it. Uh, The church can elaborate, uh, clarify, but, you know, the, the, the church kind of, is, you know, it kind of, it ceases to be what we believe the church, the Catholic Church is if it says, you know, up is down and then down is up the next day. Um, it, it can't go from saying this is a sin and this is not a sin, but there I th- hmm. think there's a lot of room in there to, to take a shift in tone. And this is, a, I feel like a lot of, of, of Pope Francis' encyclicals go into this, is while, you know, not stepping over actual doctrine or dogma, they are saying, "Hey, we need to take a different approach to this. We we can't just um, go hard after like abortion at all costs. That kind of thing. Um, that we actually have to have some nuance in here in order to actually appeal to people and to you know be winsome in the culture and mm-hmm. and also just not to fundamentally trample over other fundamental human rights. If yeah. we go hard after." there can be no quarter for same sex marriage or, you know, for transgender people or, or or whatever. And in the process, we deny them healthcare, food, housing, all these things. Are we being Catholic? Right. Um, Mm. And this, this funny, I mean, this is not a big deal uh, in the scheme of things, but right as this happened, this came in the news, there was actually a point where, you know, kind of like a lot of these issues, you know, I don't, it's, it's, you go from maybe being outspokenly conservative maybe years ago, which I was, to kind of just being quiet about it and to maybe, you know, speaking out on the other side of it. And this was at the... Coincidentally, I had willed myself at this point to actually say out out loud the words trans rights or human rights. And this was, it, you know, in a, different, in a particular context or whatever. But it occurred to me that there is... There's all these fundamental rights that we are ignoring if we just all we talk about is the way these people are not living up to the standards of the Church of God. And if we, there's, we can acknowledge a whole host of human rights for people that don't follow our Church's teachings without, you know, without condoning the part that they don't follow. Mm. Um, Because, I mean, mean, I'm I'm jumping a little bit here, but I'm thinking back to a, a Catholic Twitter debate this week about uh, ectopic pregnancies and, and I don't want to go too much into that because I don't want to I don't want to really trigger people I should say. Uh, <laughs> A Catholic Twitter but, debate. Um, nice. You know there's people talking about this moral certainty about you know the principle of double effect and all these things and how they apply to taking care of very serious issues in pregnancy with women's health that can cost, that will cost both you know the life of the, of the child and could cost the life of the mother if they're not treated in a certain way
3: okay and
1: there's people adhering to a very hardline um stance and saying that you know the church says you can't do this you have to um you know you, you you have to only indirectly kill the child and and you can't use this particular drug and you you have to take out the fallopian tube that's the only way you can treat this and then you're reading the actual document and you're realizing like oh wait that's some theologians say this other theologians say this this using this particular drug is okay. It's not actually killing the child. And it's like, I had never, in just listening to like, uh, you know, Catholic answers or a lot of conservative leaning apologetics, I had never heard that perspective before. So, how can we say, hey, legislate our faith in all these very precise medical conditions or conditions very specific to how policy affects people who believe differently when we don't even have? Like cut and dry doctrine about these nuances, and mm. that that whole thing just made me think back to like Ohio is going to hotbed for um, uh, abortion restriction legislation, like those kind of things that a state legislature pushes through just to challenge Roe v. Wade. And a lot of these things will will say things that are medically impossible or tone deaf to a wide variety of medical conditions. Like there was one. That said, that you could only terminate an ectopic, or you could only, uh, you had to re-implant an ectopic pregnancy inside the uterus, which is a medically impossible procedure. We have no way to do that. And there was law in the state of Ohio, or a bill they were trying to pass, that said you have to do this as a doctor, or you can be held accountable for murder. <laughs> Ouch! Um, wow. So, we, I think this is a strong case for erring on some side of permissiveness, where we're not going to try to push for our morality and our faith to be echoed perfectly in legislation because that could cause very serious consequences. I mean, because it depends on, number one, whose faith, you know, is it it a particular fundamentalist church's teaching or is it one particular interpretation of Catholicism? And this could trample over a whole lot of things that are actually perfectly allowed in our faith.
3: (laughs) Mm. Thank you. Mm. Mm Mm-hmm.
2: Tell us how you really feel. <laughs> so you feel that uh, the Pope doing this—it's a balanced decision. It's balanced. Yeah.
3: Everything my Pope does is balanced.
0: <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> because he's uh-huh. not—he's not saying that. Oh yeah. Okay. Throw up, throw up the rainbow flags. Yeah, he's, he's not. He's not proclaiming things. What he's saying is we need to take care of people while proclaiming the gospel. Yeah.
2: But I'm sure that there it's, are conservative Catholics who are like, no, 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 now, you know, now we're slipping one step closer yeah. Yeah. to oh, yeah. You. Yeah. everywhere, yeah.
3: especially
0: in the U.S. Right. Yeah, especially on the trad side.
1: It's a more um, pontifical way of staying. Um, so, so forever people have been railing against um, Father Jim Martin who wrote a book called Building a Bridge. And it's a, a talking about engaging with the LGBTQ community. And people are talking, this book is, is evil. It's, it's, you know, all these <laughs> yeah. things. And I went and read the book. And the, the thrust of the book is like, don't be a jerk to gay people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> you know what? It, it's funny you say that because um, his name was demonized by several different presentations I had heard. Mm-hmm. And not from my parish. It was actually on YouTube, of course, <laughs> but, um, course. right. But then a
3: universal
0: parish. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but then I actually went back and said, you know what? Let me hear him in his own words. And I was like, um, yeah, he didn't say anything that wasn't canon. So right, right. where was the problem?
1: <laughs> I think he yeah. tweaks a lot of people by stepping right up of the line, which is in the same way that Pope Francis maybe does in a different
3: yeah, you know, nuance of it, but doesn't I can't say he steps over it. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, ha- I will say he has advocated. I think, don't quote me, sorry, Father, if this isn't correct. But <laughs> I'm pretty sure he has said he thinks that the catechism's wording about gay people should be changed from disordered to differently ordered.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Okay, I don't think that the church could reasonably do because that would obviously be saying something totally
0: different, Yeah, I can say right? Different. Right, no, I agree. Not that, yeah,
3: he doesn't really say much. That's crazy. Even no, people say he does.
0: Yeah, no. Do you
3: agree with that, Nate? With what? They're differently ordered. Yeah. No, I mean they are differently ordered. Well, Yeah. I mean, the point is that the the other order is not the optimal or okay. natural or intended. For, or I mean, intended is a tricky word, but yeah, if you were to say different, that implies you know that they're both good. Mm-hmm.
0: which the catechism is saying the opposite. Right, right. To his credit though, I- in his presentations, um he did uh explicitly say I am speaking to uh celibate Catholics. So he mm-hmm. did go so far as to a- as to explain who he was speaking about and he did say celibate Catholics, which that's not wrong. If you have a problem but you're abstaining from the problem, then that that actually is not a problem then. <laughs> so to his credit, that that is what he said.
2: Keith, when yeah. you re- when you referenced the laws here in Ohio changing towards abortion, were you talking about uh, DeWine's legislation to women who have an abortion have to legally bury their unborn fetuses?
1: Um, I don't know all that's in that, but not necessarily that. I'm talking more about the stuff that's usually died in committee so far. These are the really aggressive pushes from from the far right in Ohio, uh, which is, a, in a whole other subject, is some of the dumbest people we have in America. It's <laughs> I was pretty it's shocked good. when I saw that uh, one. But, oh. but, like, there's some of the stuff where it's, it's been the various pushes to pass something. Mm-hmm. Like, um, probably, and this is, this is an indictment on how crazy some of the stuff is, the most reasonable one has been the fetal heartbeat law, which, you know, even several bishops in various localities have objected to because it's really just... Ham-fisted attempt to try to overturn Roe v. Wade, um, yeah. but yeah, there's just a lot of like um, very le- legislation that tries to outlaw abortion, but doesn't provide any sort of escape hatch for like like it, it could be very easy to prosecute someone for having a miscarriage, that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. it's a very 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 clumsy language that is ripe for abuse and. especially considering what kind of future or non-future this kind of legislation has, I think, like, or I should say, if you're going to try to pass something to challenge Roe v. Wade, at least be thorough. Mm -hmm. I mean, this stuff, even if it doesn't pass, even if it never actually directly harms somebody, it harms the pro-life movement because it makes you look like a bunch of idiots. Um, But if it did pass, like, it could be legitimately used... To harm women who aren't having abortions. At least per what, you know, doctrine would say. What is abortion?
0: I mean, there's... And and there's... There's a hard argument on both sides, for and against. And that's where people have to realize it's not one party or the other. It's like... It's not like, well, the Republicans are good and Democrats are bad. There are good people on both sides. There are pro-life Democrats... And there's also pro-choice Republicans. So you have to realize that there are good people on both sides. Um, As an example, the Roe versus Wade bill that was passed was passed by a Republican Senate. So that that should give you an idea of just how badly these things can pass through. Mm. So it was majority Republican that passed it. So... There are good people on both sides. We need to support our ideals for our own theology, you know, Christian, Catholic, not the parties that we think are going to pass what we want them to pass. And and that's where the problem lies. The Democrats aren't good. The Republicans aren't good. Yeah. But there's good people on both sides of it.
1: And we have, so. to, we have, to, we have to differentiate between people who, you know, maybe they, they say your policy position, but they they use it mostly as a fundraising vehicle. And that's where I think a lot of this pro-life legislation that happens in the Ohio state legislature and other legislatures, to challenge where we wake comes from, is it's, it's an awesome fundraising vehicle. If you're the person who in committee is putting forth a super restrictive abortion ban, no exceptions, you're going to get Ohio Right to Life, Cleveland Right to Life, whoever, you're going to get them fundraising on your behalf, just singing your praises and all their newsletters and ultimately that's all it's ultimately going to do because it's not going to pass or do anything. Yeah. yeah, (laughs) Yeah, You're you're accomplishing your, your own self-promotion. Yeah. Absolutely. Those those are the people who that's, that I think it's been a big problem in the pro-life movement is that grifting onto these people who that's really all they're doing.
3: Yeah. I was thinking about that earlier today. Like, like sometimes I just want to ask hardcore Republican people, especially far-right extremists, like, can you name any politician that you support that has actually, like, caused a net decrease in abortions? I don't know the statistics myself, but, like, I imagine, like, have have any of the stuff that you support, you know, you're marching, you're donating, you're politicking, has any of it led to a reduction in abortions? If not rethink your strategy. Some of the statistics
1: suggest we have a net increase or at least an increase relative to previous administrations in the last four years. Yeah.
3: And that would suggest that (laughs) That that
1: the pro-life strategies
3: currently in place do not, in fact, reduce abortion. Like, if voting for Democrats reduces abortion, shouldn't you vote for Democrats? I'm not saying that it does, but, like, shouldn't you be doing whatever you have to do to reduce abortions if that's really what you're about. Maybe it's not about supporting these politicians and movements that you're so attached to.
0: Yeah. No, that's a valid point. It's mm-hmm. a very valid point. Yeah. Um, Since we're on the subject, I'm going to go ahead and bring this up because this was, I thought that Cardinal Timothy Dolan uh, out of New York did a beautiful job explaining this. So it's um, here. It says, has explained why Catholics are not ashamed of being hung up on abortion, especially in the context of the upcoming Biden administration. In a Wednesday column, recalling a conversation with a politician who asked him, why are you Catholics so hung up about abortion? The Archbishop of New York explained in a January 13th column at Catholic New York that actually we're obsessed with the dignity, of the human person and the Uh. sacredness of all human life. Yes, the innocent, helpless life of the baby in the womb, but also the life of the death row prisoner, the immigrant, the fragile elderly, the poor, and the sick. As a matter of fact, Cardinal Dolan says, this is not uniquely Catholic issues at all, but one of human rights. We didn't learn that abortion was horrible in a religion class, but in biology and our courses on the inalienable rights tradition in American history. How can we sustain a culture that recoils at violence, exclusion, suicide, racism, injustice, and callousness toward those in need. If we applaud, allow, pay for, and promote the destruction of the most helpless, the baby in the womb. Cardinal, Cardinal Dolan also writes that, Pro-abortionists reassured us 48 years ago that abortion would be kept safe, legal, and rare. So much for the reassurances, we have hardly gotten used to it. Abortion remains the hottest issue in our politics, with polls showing that most Americans want restrictions on its unquestionable use and do not want their taxes to pay for it. We've even more hung up now as our new president, whom we wish well, and we who speaks with an adm- admirable sensitivity about protecting the rights of the weakest and most threatened, ran on a platform avidly supporting this gruesome capital punishment for innocent preborn babies. <laughs> We're all still cringing from this disturbing violence last week in Washington. This upheaval was made the more nauseating as it was seemingly encouraged by the one sworn to uphold the Constitution and the rule of law, and because it trashed the very edifice designed to be sanctuary of safety, reason, civility, and decorum, the Cardinal added. He finally praised President Joe Biden for for reminding us that the rampage we saw was not American, and concluding by asking if we can hope that violence will subside, and that the sacredness of all life and the dignity of the human person will be revived and the sanctuary of the womb will be off limits to violent invasion.
3: Ooh. Trash. What's that? Trash. <laughs> I hate it. He needs to look more we.
2: That's a tough one.
3: <laughs> like, who is this we that he's talking about? And this isn't just his statement that's trash, but most of the bishops who spoke on it. Like, who is we? Like he he, said, he says Americans don't support the unquestioned use of abortion. Okay, he's talking about a conservative portion of America. Yes. And then when he says we later, he's using it to like exclude, you know, the other half of Americans. Like he's 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 doing the whole search for peace when there is no peace. stuff. and I hate it, and I always hate it. <laughs> At the end of the day, he's just push- he's still pushing a party line, and mm-hmm. still is not acknowledging the fact that like his own actions encouraged the far right foolishness within the Catholic Church
1: specifically. He's been off the buddy body, and he's
3: been criticized about it from the day he started doing it. And now when when the shit hits the fan, sorry, he's like it takes no no personal responsibility. Wait wait wait. And basically, pinned it
2: on Trump. <laughs> there were some, some things <laughs> I agreed with. The
1: 10 second swear fest,
2: what? <laughs> and some things I didn't agree with. Uh, hmm. I mean, one of the things I definitely agree with is that it drives me nuts hmm. whenever, you know, I talk to Republicans or somebody, you know, on the right and we're talking about, you know, and this was back during like the Bush's times. I can't remember which Bush. <laughs> but
0: they kind of blend. Yeah. (laughs) And this
2: was literally in church. We're talking, right? I I think Mm -hmm. I was finishing up doing music or something. And the whole issue of politics came up and who I'm voting for. I'm like, I'm not voting for either of these jokers. I don't care for any any of them. And (laughs) right, he's like, how can you not vote for Bush? I mean, aren't you pro life? And Hmm. I'm like, what? What? What's that carrot? Oh my God. It (laughs) drives me nuts. I knew I was going to hit a brick wall if I went any further. And I'm like, how can you say that man is pro-life? I mean, this yeah. man is okay with dropping bombs all over the world in the name of making money and in the name of defeating terrorism whoever we designate as a terrorist. Mm-hmm. But just because he claims he's pro-life here and is against, you know, abortion, yeah. in in word you're going to vote for. Him. It makes no sense to me. So I, I I don't buy it. And Cardinal Dola
3: had the nerve to say violent white supremacy is not American. Like what? <laughs> which which history book have you been in? That's the other piece I didn't agree with. Yeah. I mean, like
2: I don't really know what America he speaks of.
3: Well, like, it's, let's. It's, uh, it's a political. Yeah. It's a political statement.
0: Let, let's yeah. let's take the, this current administration before it changes hands. Right. I I had a. Uh, evangelical person i'll leave names out of it and associations (laughs) but standing up saying why can't you support trump i mean look he signed new articles protecting you know uh people from abortion and i said okay well hold on do you understand that he also took away every tax benefit for orphans and gave it to trust fund kids did you see that did you see the fact that he took away funding for Medicare Medicaid for our elderly and gave it to the rich? Yeah I mean Did peop- you see that he
3: executed 13 people for the first time in 16 Ooh. years within six months.
0: Right, exactly. So they, they they take that one carrot pro-life. That they, and then they do everything against everybody else, but it's okay because he signed off on pro-life and I'm not okay with that I'm just I'm not okay with that because it's trash
1: (laughs) yeah it it makes me think of another part of um, Bob Woodard's uh, rage book this is the part that's boring but it's also illuminating where he's just talking over and over you know with with, in the interviews with Trump about um, uh, the virus and then about um, Black Lives Matter over the summer and he's he's, he's kind of egging the president on trying to get an answer a certain way and the president is not doing it because he's, he's trying to say, like like what would you say to you know, Black Lives Matter protesters you know, if they're right here and you want them to understand that you empathize with them? And he just keeps, no matter how many different ways he, he rephrases the question to try to get President Trump to make some emotional, um, emotional connection with those who face systemic racism... Um, he just keeps rattling off his accomplishments. He's like, I, we've had the best job growth for minorities ever. I passed, uh, I got tons of money for historically black colleges and universities. I got opportunity zones. He just keeps repeating these little token things. And like, when you look at them, you know, when you think, you know, what made me think of this is mentioning like that, that pro-life executive statement, which does nothing, it's not worth the paper it's printed on, um. He talks about all these these token things, and I think of Mackenzie Scott, um, Jeff Bezos' ex-wife, who just did a bunch of donations to HBCUs. And like, yes. not, not saying like, you know, that she solved all the world's problems, but she probably did more right there as a private citizen than Trump did with anything he signed.
0: Exactly. <laughs>
3: exactly. She gave, she gave twenty
0: million to my to my HBCU there. Nice. I to, so. Well, and. I and, and, and on the conservative side, I have to completely condemn what they're saying when they were like, well, look, it was okay with the protest last summer. No, that is completely different. You're talking about over four centuries of something that needed to happen to open those scars up and let them heal. I mean, yes, did things happen that should not have happened? Of course, there was things that happened. But there was, that was something that had to happen to help the country heal. It was different than an attack on the Capitol because your president that you think won the election, who didn't win the election, <laughs> is being what dethroned.
1: protesting matters. <laughs> yeah. the, people,
3: the people protesting over the summer were protesting the kind of stuff like what happened on January the 6th. People that pro, the people that committed a terrorist attack on January 6th did so because of lies. Yeah. The protests all year long before that were because of the truth that something like that could happen. It has happened. Yeah. And will continue to happen until people own up to it, which Catholic bishops in particular seem not to be able to do at this point. Like how do you even bring up the George Floyd protests in a statement about the terrorist attack in D C? Like what what does it have to do? <laughs> like, even if they were related, what it's not. It's not the subject of your statement. Why are you talking about it? But they gotta. They gotta make peace, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. And you gotta make everybody feel like they're. Yeah. They're not the bad guy. Or it's like, right. how about we, for once, you know, point out a bad guy. Yeah, but it's that's, it, that's not, you know, a communist takeover of the United States.
0: So to take it to a geek level, though, because because <laughs> I have to go there, right? So to take it to a geek level, that's like saying. Well, yeah, but I really enjoy original Star Trek, and it's 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 I think it's better than Discovery. How would you equate that to the prequels of Star Wars? <laughs> it's, it's two totally different things. You know, it's, I was thinking the
1: same thing, right? Yeah, it's like wait, wait, George isn't here. We can't have our debate about how good the fan is. <laughs> That's right,
0: but but. You, so and I did take it to a very, very deep geek level, but you're talking about two totally different things. You
3: got to come up for air, brother. You come
2: <laughs>
0: it's up for air, two you. totally different things.
3: It, it's crazy because they are different, but then, like I said, they're actually connected in that the one protest was literally about the other protest. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> one is protesting a free and fair election, and the other is protesting people that would protest the free and fair election.
1: Literally the same demographic of people. I I meant to bring this up earlier, but there was an interesting article I'll fit it in now. Um, I don't know what this guy's credentials are, but a fellow named Jacob Witten um, wrote an article on Medium um, about he analyzed the congressional districts where the 140-odd congressmen who uh, objected to certifying the results were from. And he found that um, you know they're obviously predominantly uh suburban, exurban, rural. Um, but but in terms of like economic growth over the twenty years and, and demographic change, these are districts where everybody's done quite well. They've had a lot of population growth. They've actually had a lot of uh, Hispanic and black population growth, and the white people have done so, fine, but the the um, the rate of, of economic growth you know, the, the the black and Hispanic folks, they've been closing the gap on economic growth. So the white people are doing great. But relative to before then, the black and the Hispanic people were doing really good. So basically, this is like a white lash against people getting, you know, the economic gaps closing.
0: Hmm.
2: <laughs> interesting.
0: That's really interesting. Hmm. hmm.
2: I knew it was a conspiracy. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's just American
0: history repeating so Over bad. and uh, over just,
1: and over. I mean that's 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 uh you know, a black black Wall Street and, but that that's Tulsa, right? Yeah, can, Yeah, that's the same thing. You you have a group of proper prosperous pro- prosperous black people and the white people get mad. The white people were probably doing fine, but they get mad. Did you say Tulsa? Tulsa. Okay. I have it all over
3: the place. Tulsa, Greenwood, Roseville. Uh, Is that I, the Red
2: Summer, is that what you're talking about, referring to? I think it was that. In yeah, uh, 1919 or something Yeah,
0: it's
1: around then,
0: yeah. 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 So, it's
2: interesting, some of the parallels to mm-hmm. our times, isn't it?
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. I actually would like us to, um, and maybe maybe Nate, maybe you and I will, will brainstorm on this. I would like to do a little bit of an expose on things like Greenwood um, to bring it up because it was actually... Uh the recent did you guys watch The Watchmen? Oh, not yet. No, it's it, well yeah, the movie, but the movie actually started a TV show. Um and the Watchmen TV show, which is on HBO Max. Oh yeah. Um it uh get this. It's one of the few things that actually highlighted the events oh, of yeah. what yeah, of what happened at Greenwood. Um and it's only been recently talked about because of that show. Interesting. And yeah. Mm. So it, it's a pop culture thing, but has anybody watched The Watchmen here besides uh myself? Not
1: yet. Uh, you still oh. you're still pretty deep, brother.
0: Really. All right. So How's it going homework? So so the, yeah, so the Watchmen is a movie. It goes back to 2013, I believe it came out. Um Wait, I watched the movie. Okay, yeah. So so the movie is is brilliant because yeah, it has superheroes in it, but it's not really about superheroes. It's really about society and the way that entities work in the background that form society. It's brilliantly written by Alan Moore. Um, The TV show so far carries on in that vein beautifully. At the end of the movie, you're left scratching your head thinking, okay, was the bad guy actually a bad guy? (laughs) (laughs) And it really makes you reflect on your own morality, which is ultimately what was it's supposed to do. Um, so we really do have to sit down and do a deep search to go into the idea of things like Greenwood and bring it up and rehash it. Because I think that most people would be surprised at what took place.
3: Yeah, yeah okay. the same reason that they're going to be surprised fifty years ago, fifty years from now, about the terrorist attack, because we're not going to call it that, and we're <laughs> going to forget that it happened the way that it happened and why it happened, mm-hmm. and it's
2: or why it yeah. keeps happening.
3: Yeah,
0: yeah,
3: yeah. The yeah. bishops are going to whitewash it. The people are going to forget it, and yeah. that'll be that.
2: Yeah, but if twenty twenty was anything, it was certainly a learning experience, even for me, because. I, I didn't even know about the Red Summer until after everything happened with George Floyd and I went to look back in our history and I realized I'm like, My God, we haven't we haven't grown at all before the civil rights movement in the sixties. Like we're talking about like after the first world war. Yeah. You know, and there was and there was a pandemic then too, actually, during that time. Yeah. But, you know, if I say it out loud, I'm a conspiracy theorist.
3: <laughs> there is that. There is that myth that somehow we we've moved on from racism just because we got a couple laws passed. Not at all. It.
0: No. Not at all. And honestly, we'll and we'll cover this in our conspiracy episode. Honestly, I think it's a way for powerful people to stay in power. Yeah, I, would, I really yeah. do. I really do because. If you conquer and divide the people, you remain in power. Yep. So, and that's really what it comes down to. If if I don't like black people or I don't like Hispanic people, or I don't like... If you divide the people, then powerful people stay in power. That's what it comes It'll, down it's to.
3: It's not hard. Healthy hurt. dose of brainwashing, too, which is how you write mm-hmm. your history books, what you tell your kids. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, do you know how <laughs> do you know how shocking it is when I show my kids what Jesus would have actually looked like? <laughs> 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 um, Which this, two-
1: this is a this is a very low stakes thing, but um, it makes me think. You know, when we think about you know people learning fifty years from now, I, I was thinking. So there's a, a, I think I don't know if Macaulay Colkin started it, but it's it's gone around online about the idea that they should edit. Donald Trump out of Home Alone too. So there's the one scene where like, you know he shows up in the hotel, and you know, um, you know Kevin McAllister runs into him. Yeah, of course, this is because he owned at the time the hotel that they did the filming in, and so he bullied his way into the movie. Um, and people are like, you know, they want to replace it with um, with today's Macaulay Culkin, for instance, running into him. How so funny would it be for Macaulay Culkin? Oh. into Macaulay Culkin. But I'm like, you know. Leave him in because we there are a ton of cultural reminders Mm. of Donald Trump in both our past media and obviously, you know, even more recent stuff. We need people to to watch these things and remember that this guy bullied his way into everything. I mean, you just look at, you know, Back to the Future, too, is about Donald Trump. (laughs) (laughs) Sesame Street did several things about Donald Trump. Like they actually made a, a like a Ronald Grump or something. I'm getting the name wrong, but they made a a, a, a Grouch, a, a, an Oscar doppelganger who was basically Donald Trump and tried to uh, take over the the trash can complex. Um, Such <laughs> we, irony! I love we, it. We need, we need to have students it. watching The Apprentice in history class 50 years from now, so they can understand. Get some idea what it what it was like to see this creeping in, this gradual acceptance of, you know, totalitarianism, fascism mm-hmm. into our culture. Um, I mean, that's not the only antidote, but it's it's something we could do to remind people, like, to not to to kick us out of that whole like that could not possibly happen. That would just look ridiculous from the standpoint forward. Like, watch yeah. it, watch what really happened.
0: I mean it. <sighs> if the modern age brought nothing else forward, is the fact that it kind of puts the power back to the people. Because think about it. If if this was 300 years ago, Donald Trump would be that reigning monarch over the Americas or over Europe or over... And he would write his own history books about what a great conqueror he was.
1: We can preserve a lot more of this.
0: But in our modern culture, the one good thing... That things like social media has done is it brings the power back to the people because you can have some guy on TikTok who literally has more sway than the president. It's kind of reversing things. Mm -hmm. So, yes, there is a lot of evil in social media, but the good thing that has come out of it is it's kind of starting to take a little bit of the power away from the current powers i don't uh, hmm. I, it, there's a lot of I ground there i
3: would love to say <laughs> that i'm optimistic about that theory but i'm not because at the end of the day the textbook is going to be written by for example joe biden and it's not going to be in his best interest to suggest that the, the government is susceptible to a coup so i mean mm. it's not it's not like we made A ton of progress, but in the in the way that you describe it, yes, it is good that we have more ways to inform each other about what's really going on. But as far as you know, whether or not it's likely that history is going to repeat itself again, yeah, it's probably going to
2: happen. I I could see both sides to it. Yeah, Yeah. you know, I to me, it's the Donald Trump represents the ugly side Mm -hmm. of that void in me as a human. Yeah, that when I look back at the Old Testament, when Moses came down from the mountain, how quick they were to worship other gods Mm because they couldn't wait. We're going to want another Donald Trump. And however Biden turns out, we're going to want another Biden. Yeah. You know, know, we just we can't help it. Yeah. We can't help it, you know, and then we'll because it's easy to blame Donald Trump it'll be and you know what when things when the shit hits the fan with biden because things will it will we're gonna blame biden
0: well he's gonna do it to himself because (laughs)
2: because they're easy to blame yeah easy to oh it just takes all the responsibility off Mm -hmm. of us to think that we actually have to do the things to do the work yeah
0: uh, again, I don't think he, Biden even knows knows where he's at right now. To be honest, <laughs>
2: well, e- even if we're talking about race relationships with with different races, it was never up to Donald Trump to fix that. Yeah, it's about you and me here. Yeah, it's about me and my neighbor there. Yeah, you know what I mean. It. it you can't legislate that. No. But it sure is easy to... said,
3: people are going to listen, unfortunately, to the person in power, and that's who they're going to let form their conscience.
2: Of course. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. And like, so 2020 is like unimaginable revealer yeah. of something that's so empty within us. Yeah, And I, to me, that's the lack of not having God.
0: Oh, yeah. I agree. I'd say the miracle of the modern age is the fact that... Well, for example if this was even 50 years ago we couldn't be having this conference right now Mm -hmm. and then we can collaborate and bring this together remotely at at, that fast i mean i called poor nate like uh, i think an hour and a half before before we started (laughs) you know and and we were able to pull this together (sighs) that fast yeah you know um i think that that is the beauty of the modern age i mean if it wasn't for our current uh social media technology we couldn't speak about the injustices done
3: mm-hmm.
0: right so and that's the beauty of this is the fact that we can rise against the system to create the social justices that we need um we can't progress forward until we tackle those things and i think that we're all of us collectively are doing our part to do that well, the only last thing that I had—do you have? Do you want to go over your article?
2: I right, doesn't matter to me. Nate, do you got something? I got endless
3: things. What are you talking
0: about? <laughs> <laughs> so let's let's do this because I know that Gumby had this beautiful article about uh, about the Pope.
2: Yeah, but it's about the Pope. We've, we you know.
0: Yeah, go my, ahead. Yeah,
3: the Pope,
2: my Pope. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Go ahead. I don't really care. I think it's a great article. But go ahead. If you don't yeah. think we've put no. too much.
0: No, no, no. Let's go ahead and tackle it because I love the fact that this is coming from an evangelical Christian. Yeah. <laughs> so. I
2: wish some more uh, evangelical leaders uh, yeah. could do this. Yeah. Please All right. go. Ahead. All right. Here we go. So the, uh, the name of the article is Pope Francis partners with corporate titans to make capitalism more inclusive and fair. Is this for real, or is it just corporate virtue signaling? Pope Francis, aware of the fast-growing global wealth inequality between the ultra-wealthy and the rest of society, has proposed a challenge to corporate executives and public sector leaders to adopt a more inclusive, fair, and transparent economic system that is equipped to address the dire challenges plaguing humanity and earth. Oh, that's huge. <laughs> the world is rich quote. And yet the number of poor people is swelling all around us said Pope Francis. And he's speaking to this group of, um, I forgot what they call themselves. Uh, the guardian. It's like this elite, ultra wealthy group of leaders of, uh, he's
0: capitalist yeah, America. They go into it. <laughs>
2: um, and he's speaking right to them. Uh, Said Pope Francis, with the increasing wealth inequality, the Pope pointed to the current challenges facing humanity. Quote, hundreds of millions of people are struggling in extreme poverty and are lacking food, housing, healthcare, schooling, electricity, and drinkable water, end quote. The response to the Pope's exhortation in business and public sector leaders formed a historic partnership with the Vatican. The Council for Exclusive Capitalism will serve as a movement to address the economic and environmental needs of the planet and its inhabitants. The council boasts over more than $10.5 in assets under management, companies with over $2.1 of market capitalization, mm. and 200 million workers in 163 countries. It should be noted that these extremely wealthy executives are not advisories of capitalism's citing that the system has helped billions of people uh, absent poverty. However, the group acknowledges that capitalism has perilously left people behind while also taking a toll on the planet. Ultimately, the partnership calls for a moral redress. And I'll read this last paragraph and then we can talk about it. The Guardians is what they're called. As the council members are called, our top executives of the world's leading corporations who have promised to take bold actions towards creating inclusive capitalism. The Guardians will hold themselves accountable, committing to a list of intended actions involving environmental, social, and governance matters. The Guardians at their respective companies have said that they plan to hire and promote more women, Increase diversity hires, commit to clean energy by purchasing 100% renewable electricity. la de la I mean, they're going to say a lot of other stuff too. But there was <laughs> another part I wanted to read. Um, actually, one of the people on this I found very interesting is a- uh, It's Kushner, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a Rothschild. Oh. Yeah, a Rothschild is on there. So, you know, my red flag goes up. <clears throat> According to the New York Times, there are reasons to be both hopeful and skeptical of this initiative. The corporate pledges are meaningful, but some aren't new. Of course, BP, for example, restates a commitment to achieve net zero carbon emissions by 2050. Not going to happen. That announced in February. And while the council has posted the pledges publicly, there's not much to hold the companies accountable aside from the risk of disappointing the pope. While we applaud the people who try to make the world a better place, there is an irony that can be ignored, that can't be ignored. The same people who are calling for an end to wealth and income inequality are extraordinarily wealthy. Of course, denoted leaders like capitalism, it's been very good to them. All right. So I guess my kind of question to that and response to that was, you know, obviously it seems like capitalism – lends itself as a system, at least here in the West, to unimaginable greed and wealth. Mm-hmm. If you think of like a Bizo who's probably worth more than all of Latin America himself. At least. <laughs> how can the Pope and what can his you know, influence, how can we rehabilitate capitalism? Can it be done?
0: I this think is- anything can be done. Will it be done is a different question.
2: Can there be, I mean, truly concrete steps? First of all, my hat goes off to the Pope for even addressing these people. I I don't even know how the person, like a Pope, gets an hour with these people. All these people.
0: I can give you a hint. Maybe you could. Do you know who's a recent convert to Catholicism? Mm-mm. Bill Gates. He wasn't part of the meeting. When? What? Oh yeah, yeah.
3: I know he's Catholic, but I didn't know he was a convert.
0: Yeah, he's uh, so he has said that he is uh, now part of the Catholic Church with his wife. Now, when you hear him speak, I will say that you can tell that he is not 100% Catholic. No. (laughs) What
3: does that mean? How is one 100% Catholic?
0: Well, I think from what I've seen from him, he is slowly trying to come over now he did actually say that he believes that there is possibly potentially a god (laughs) and and that he does believe that the values and the morals that he learns from the catholic church are real moral values that do need to be adhered to Mm -hmm. so it steps in the right direction i I'm not going to say that I believe that his conversion thus far is wholehearted. <laughs> but I will say, I think it's a step in the right direction. Yeah. If there so. is a
2: God, <laughs> he certainly better be using windows, and he needs to get vaccinated. <laughs> sounds like he's but, at
1: least getting dragged to church sometimes by Melinda. So that's yeah. what I can find.
0: Yeah. Well, and, yeah. And
3: Melinda, say my understanding that. is they send their kids to Catholic school on purpose, so they don't get Catholic education
0: or whatever. Yeah. Means
3: what Catholic
0: Catholicist. <laughs> yeah, he did speak out on uh on where he feels on theology and he said that he does believe there is good potential that there is a god and that he said he does learn his morals with his wife from the church. Okay. So I thought that that was a good step in the right direction. Yeah. I am not willing to say that I believe that he's wholeheartedly going in that direction, but I, and that's the thing is that you don't truly know how Catholic somebody is until everything is taken from you. Right. Then you find out where your heart is. When you have nothing left, then you'll know where your heart is. I mean,
2: it, well, then. <laughs> it, if you pulled your breath on that one if though. you
0: pulled hit all of his wealth and influence away and you left him naked at the bottom of ravine okay now where is he right Keith, so Keith
2: will get a kick out of this if you left him with nothing he'd use he'd use apple
0: oh <laughs> well, the tr- here's the trouble with that statement he couldn't afford it. <laughs> <laughs> Even with all
2: his billions, you're probably right. He'd have to, he'd have to skip out on the memory. <laughs> That's funny. So, okay, capital, the vehicle of capitalism has made a Gates, and let's just not, I, I won't just pick on Gates, but anybody like that. Yeah. So beyond wealthy. it. Yeah. Can we can that be rehabilitated? Can that be changed And to, a, to the point where leaders like that around the world are? You know, we can have a conscious capitalism. I love the idea of conscious capitalism. Yeah, but is that something that can can be an actuality?
0: There, if if I'm to speak to one person, and mind you, the the only billionaire that actually put his money in his mouth in that position was actually uh none other than
2: without a tax break go ahead
0: (laughs) no he definitely gets tax breaks uh warren buffett he is he's one of the very very few people that exemplifies what it means to have money without wanting the money um he has a 10 year old car he has 10 year old suits he lives in the same house he had when he was kids He has the same furniture in his house that he had when his kids were young. And even his children, and this is where it speaks volumes, his children spoke up and said, the only reason our father is rich is because he enjoys what he does. And then after that, they said, we will not see his money. All of his money will go to charity. Yeah. So, I mean, the fact that all of his children are on record as saying that they know that all of his funds will go to charity, that speaks volumes by itself.
2: It does. It does attest to him.
0: On top of that, though, he called his own hearing. That's how much money he has, right? He called his own hearing in Washington because he wanted to know why he only pays 3%, but his secretary pays 34%. Mm that spoke volumes he himself proposed that we should have more of a flat tax because he believes he should be paying as much in taxes as his secretary
2: that is one of the items up for a bit on the agenda of the guardians that they had proposed self-proposed like we just need to be taxed more but Mm -hmm. i think you know to the pope's bigger you know kind of broad question was like when there's so much wealth in the world concentrated in so few that's why there's so much extreme poverty yes and that is because of the vehicle of capitalism what can we do about that
3: it's not just capitalism though because like you just said if we taxed everybody at 34 percent There wouldn't be as many poor people in this country as there are now. We would be more like Denmark or Norway where we have this huge social safety net because taxes are equitable. It's not capitalism that makes you have bad taxes. It's bad politicians.
2: Yes. (laughs) So you think conscious capitalism is a very uh,
3: attainable thing? That's fluffy terminology. I, I wouldn't even want to get into that. But just equitable laws will lead to more equitable society. And yeah, that doesn't really have a whole lot to do with capitalism or socialism.
1: Yeah, I've got a data. I got a data point here. Like Japan. So let me let me back up a little bit. Um, it sounds like the, like the Pope is trying to strengthen the more the social mores of these billionaires, yeah, to actually sure. get them to engage morally with what they're doing. And Japan is a place where they have at least some elements. I think of a moral capitalism and my one weird data point in all this that hit me the hardest when i was there a few years ago was the prices of stadium food they were only marked up by five or ten percent compared to what you would get on the street or at a mm. restaurant actually they're probably less than the restaurant like there wasn't the 25 dollar beer yeah, The beer the beer number one you can drink on just buy a beer on the street there the beer on the street was four dollars and maybe the ballpark beer was five dollars um mm. and and also, they, they have a, a strong culture against like these, these just massive paychecks for these CEOs. Um, I remember there's a, there was a comment from um, Reggie Delamay, uh the former uh, CEO of Nintendo of America, and just talking about how he could go work for any American company and there's way more money than he could as a super higher up in Nintendo. Um, because Nintendo, even in America... Had a culture that our our top leadership is only going to make so much money compared to our lowest workers, um, and also they have a, a very strong public-private partnership when it comes to healthcare and health insurance. Like they, they have private insurance that, in a lot of ways, behaves comparably, or maybe even better than a lot of the social healthcare systems in Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, so it does seem like if you're inside your culture, from the lowest levels to the highest level, there is a strong moral sense that this system doesn't work at all, unless right. we enforce guardrails on our own. And granted, those guardrails aren't impenetrable. I mean, a lot of our, our democracy is based on convention or tradition, and we saw how those were getting bulldozed. But, I mean, the Pope can't change anybody's laws directly, but he right. can tweak the hearts of and minds of these CEOs to engage with them on the benefits to, to themselves and the whole world. Um, you know, why it might be worth to apply some morality to their capitalism rather than just to do whatever capitalism allows.
3: And he could tweak the heart of a Catholic president to you know, yeah. more equitable
1: laws here in the US. Absolutely. Hopefully
3: he does.
0: Yes. Yeah. No, I agree. And that's that's because our president is a Catholic president. Um maybe not all of his policies have been. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, but
2: so Biden, Biden is Catholic. I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What? <laughs> <laughs> Second
0: Catholic president. Yeah. And, and was
2: JFK the first.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah.
2: I like JFK. Yeah.
0: And and Kamala Harris actually defines herself as a Baptist Christian. She went on record as saying that. Take it for what it is. <laughs> I
2: thought she was celebrating Kwanzaa.
0: I have no idea. Anyway.
3: A lot of Baptists celebrate Kwanzaa, I can tell you that. Interesting. <laughs>
2: She's um, also married to a Jewish guy who celebrates Hanukkah.
0: Yeah.
3: It's
2: gotta be interesting dinners.
0: That's a mishmash. <laughs> so, but we can hope, we can hope and pray that um we can reach the Catholic heart of our president. <laughs>
1: But, and there's also, I think, some importance too. You know, there's there's reaching the hearts of these billionaires, like the Pope's doing. There's reaching the hearts of the president, these people in power. Um, but it's even more important for the people not in power, the common man, to have the belief that capitalism is supposed to have a moral component. A lot of the the you, you just you can go up to any random you know guy who's in a deep red district and diehard Trump supporter, and they'll tell you you know, how we can't have a higher minimum wage because we can't give money, that much money to a burger flipper. They'll, they'll spout off all these arguments that would sound out of place, maybe even for like a brutal factory manager in the early 19th century. Um, and they'll just, they willily embrace them because of, of whatever political power that offers. It has me thinking back to that, the whole thing about the, 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 those districts of the representatives that um, you know, voted to overturn the election or not certify it, and um, how a lot like, you know, there's this like white lash, uh, against, you know, maybe a de- decreasing wealth gap between them and minorities in their districts, but a lot of what folks aren't realizing is that the policies that would benefit um, minorities would benefit them. Like when you think about mass incarceration, um, black and Hispanic people are incarcerated at ridiculously high rates. But guess what? White people in the US are incarcerated at rates much higher than anybody in Japan or many other countries for health care. I mean, providing access to health care, like like just improving access to healthcare in general would, would touch a lot of white people in these districts that are that are, are lashing out against democracy. It would help them get health care. Um, right. and one of our one of our biggest possible things that might come up. Uh, and this is getting a little bit wonky, but this is, this is on Joe Biden's website and it's stuff that could actually realistically pass yes. in a 50 person democratic majority. It's just tweaking some numbers on the affordable care act. I don't know if anybody here has ever shopped for insurance on the, the marketplace where you buy own no. private insurance. Yeah. yeah that guy, is, it's rough. I've done it for about four years. I've been, I've been, I've successfully navigated getting private insurance for a family of six with young children and soon to be a family of seven and it's kind of crazy but
0: (laughs) congratulations some
1: some of the um some of the simple changes like benchmarking the subsidies given for these private plans from the government the tax credits they give you to buy plans benchmarking them from the gold plans which are the comprehensive plans as opposed to the silver plans which often have $7,000 $7,000 individual and $14,000 family deductibles things mm. that could bankrupt the family if they go to the hospital for one night um, mm. just making simple changes like that that's something that benefits white people black people Hispanic people in these districts it could be a total game-changer for millions of people in their health care and all it is is tweaking a number um, and I don't know quite where it's going to go with that but I guess just saying like in these simple things like that's really pro-life what? you're <laughs> like, not kidding like, when you go on the marketplace, and they actually have a little thing when you click on insurance plan, and it tells you the cost of typical medical procedures, and you go on there, and it'll tell you what the cost of delivering a healthy baby is, like a non-complicated pregnancy. And on most of the plans on the Ohio marketplace, it's $6,000, $7,000. And can you imagine what kind of impact that has on the abortion rate? The fact that unless you have, like good insurance from an employer and guess what employer insurance is getting really crappy too. Now um, you could be facing a bill that might vastly exceed the savings you have.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And um, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm queuing up a rant that I was accumulating over three or four different stories. So I'm not exactly <laughs> sure where I'm, I need mean, that and how it relates to what I'm talking about, but just to say that getting people to believe that like we can have uh, that our capitalism can be moral by just yeah. that we're all in the same boat. And, and and I don't know. I think that's important to get everybody on board with that. Yeah, no, I'm that with, I agree. I'm with
2: you things. with that on Keith, for sure. I, yeah. I, I'm looking for the silver lining in the Pope doing that. Cause I, I certainly believe, from a corporate point of view, I definitely believe in a top down approach when I see like, even, you know, my wife at her bank and the companies and the, the people under her and all of that and how they, Deal with their own employees. It starts from the top. When the people, when the people at the top have some sense of humanity and care about people, instead of always, you know, it's just business. I gotta fire you. It's just business, Aaron. Yeah. You can't, you can't no longer provide for your family. When that's a huge part of our corporate makeup here in America, there's this loss of humanity within that in corporate America. And I think if the Pope can have some kind of influence from the top down at these and these people are shaker and movers. Yeah. I'm not even these people aren't even what I would call wealthy people here who just live among us. These are like the shaker and movers. You know what I mean of societies, people who influence policy for everyone. You know what I mean? And yeah. have so much influence and so if if just a drop could be changed. For me, I'm looking for the silver lining in it. I'm like why aren't there any
1: more evangelicals in
2: there trying to meet with people like that?
1: It's a good question. So if you get just one of those guys seriously on fire for better health care, that literally could save tens of thousands of lives every year in the U S like, that's how like the dominoes start to fall. Yeah. Like, and and just how a little change, like what might seem like a little change can have such a big impact. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I agree. Yeah, man. I tip my hat to the Pope. Yeah, my, Amen.
0: Man, my Pope, my Pope, and, you, and yours both.
1: <laughs> and, and I think, Gumby, too, you, you, you know, kind of you bring that up, I, I think it brings up a, a good reason why, why a lot of evangelicals um, and Christians of all stripes pay attention to the Pope is because there is, I don't think, there's any other equivalent leader in Christianity that can have the sway over the practical matters of how the world is run compared to the Pope. Mm. So even if, you know, you don't share religion with him, you know, and this even goes beyond Christians, just the religious people in general, mm-hmm. like uh, folks united for common good. Uh, yeah. The Pope is is a really important guy to pay attention to.
0: Yeah, that's true. No argument for me. <laughs> 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 Man, the, tonight has been great. Um, hey, any last comments from anybody? Uh, Gumby? Gumpy? Uh, really enjoyed the
2: wine, enjoyed the conversation, a lot to learn, always learning, love learning. <laughs> uh, nothing taboo over brew. Okay. And Keith?
1: Oh man, I'm, I, you know, I just spoke a ton, but I'm without words. That was an awesome episode. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> and then I know Nate, you have, uh, some things to talk about before you sign off because you have a great initiative and some great articles. Please share.
3: Uh, everybody read the Black Catholic Messenger, blackcatholicmessenger.com. We're on all the social media stuff too. But what I wanted to say was shout out to the vote. That's all I was going to say.
0: <laughs> Amen. <laughs> and and there is a newsletter coming out for the Black Me- Catholic Messenger, right?
3: Uh, you can sign up for our newsletter on our website, but it's really just us sending you a story here and, there, here and there. Yeah.
0: That's how we learn. <laughs> yeah. Um awesome. I, I would, I would oh, go ahead.
2: No, no, I said awesome.
0: <laughs> I would also like to give a, a shout out to Vincent Taylor Jr. Um for, so what he does is he runs uh, Michael Heiser. Uh Dr. Michael Heiser has appeared on our podcast a couple of times. Mm-hmm. And uh what he does <laughs> is is uh oh yeah, yeah. We, fun times. We need him back again. You can come in for our next one. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah. Um, uh, Dr. Michael Heiser has a group on uh, MeWe for those people who are into alternative groups, okay, outside of Facebook. Um, it's Dr. Michael Heiser's Biblical Approach. So if you go on to MeWe, look for that group, Dr. Michael Heiser's Biblical Approach. And it's ran by Vincent Artella Jr. He does a brilliant job. And not only does he showcase all of Dr. Michael Heiser's stuff, he also showcases people who support Dr. Michael Heiser and who have uh, similar initiatives. Like this podcast appears inside that group as well. So he does uh, a great job supporting all those initiatives. I want to give him a huge shout out because he does a great job.
2: Vincent.
0: <laughs> so, um, on this podcast, please check us out on Patreon or simply at anchor.com. FM forward slash Bible over and on every social media platform because we're on them all. Mm-hmm. We hope to see you buying beers for us. Just give <laughs> or, us a little love. Yeah, Just wine, bourbon. It's, it's, it's all love. So <laughs> Thank you, everybody, and Godspeed. Good night. Ooh.